to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. We are continuing our series called What's Your Story? And today I have invited my friend Susie Kateski to join me at the table to share her story. And I'm going to tell you right now, Susie and I are good friends, and there are going to be lots of tangents and lots of rabbit trails, and we will try not to do inside jokes because that makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Susie works for my church. She is gifted in all things creative production. I don't know what her title is, but beyond cat herder, she's also a good cat herder. She does that in her job, but just really gifted in the area of production. She's a wife and a mom, and I'm so glad that she's here. I'm so, so glad that she's here. Welcome, Susie. Thank you. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say to introduce yourself? Oh, well, because... Or did I nail it with the all it. things creative? You, you nailed it. I mean, that's pretty much what... I think I think you made me a name plaque when I started at Calvary, and it was like, well, Cat Herder was one of them. There was like five. I think Adult Supervisor was on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I was just going to say, because you're a mom of two boys. I have two boys. Right. Who are almost 11, which is crazy, and eight. So life is never a dull moment. No. And we have a dog and a guinea pig named Doug. So there you go. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> was but you need a guinea pig Doug. Well, let's be real. Okay, what's he your came, dog's name? The Bristol. dog's name is Bristol. Okay. Well, we didn't cool. name either one of them. Okay. They came with they those came with names. names. And actually, the guinea pig's name is Douglas Dupont Katuski the first. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but he's really cute. Doug. He snuggles. He likes me. Anyway, <laughs> that's completely random. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I had—I don't remember who it was. Someone suggested that I have you. Maybe Probably it was our Anna. friend Anna. And and then you have you blog so Mm -hmm. you were sharing some of your story in your blog and you had said that you felt like when we were talking about it later that you felt like you were wanting and were kind of being nudged to share more of your story and I was like Susie I know a place you can do that (laughs) (laughs) and so here we are so where would you where do you want to start yeah no it's great I mean I think I think holistically a big part of my story is really living in this false story, this false narrative of what I believe to be true mm-hmm. for over 30 years. I mean, I'll be 40 this year, so you factor in my story. But mm-hmm. And I've spent the last kind of two and a half years unpacking that and pulling out all the crap and just going like, okay, what is God's story and mm-hmm. where does God want me to live within that and what does that look like? And So what... What were some of the false things or two things? What were some of the false beliefs? And then were there events or things that contributed to those false beliefs about yourself? For sure. How long do you have? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I think I think I'll just start holistically and then mm-hmm. kind of come back to your questions because to understand the false things that we live in, we have to kind of unpack what's happened to us. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 10, I was sexually abused by mm-hmm. uh, some family friends. And you talk about just completely living, you know, what does a 10-year-old kid do with that? I mean, even just right. having kids now, right. like, I can't imagine. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. A little, like, 
mama bear yeah up. Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i've spent the last however many years living in this sense of almost shame um i'm a two on the enneagram so i'm okay if you're okay with me like mm-hmm. that's what i've lived in i lived i was the youngest in my family you know i'm i was the people pleaser like i wasn't gonna rock the boat and so there was this internal struggle of i want to tell somebody what happened but i also know the dynamics of what was going on in my household at the time and didn't for whatever reason there was a wise person in there internally as a child that said now is not the time Mm -hmm. i mean it's just amazing the how your brain i mean it's god but how your brain is wired to kind of not stuff those things but like god knows that as a 10 year old 11 year old you can't handle those things Mm -hmm. and as by by way of protection right what your body and brain does too totally so so you so you almost live i think one of the full stories i've lived in is this story of just survival Mm. and you know that takes on any number of different things as you get older and um but really just survival in that i'm going to protect myself and i'm in control what i can control and just learning to go god like this is yours and i i remember probably like a year ago or so one of the big breakthroughs for me even just spiritually was it was after a therapy session and uh i just ironically was sitting in the hobby lobby parking lot (laughs) and i couldn't bring myself to go in and so i just sat there like okay god what are you what do you want Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think he can handle that i think he can go have me say seriously what's going on like let's have this conversation and the breakthrough for me was him going Susie I was there with you when you were abused and that hurt me just as much as it hurt you and I think about as a parent how true that is like when you see your kids hurting and you want nothing more to take it away Mm -hmm. but knowing that that you're there with them in that as they process through yeah i mean i just think that completely opened up my understanding of who god was Mm. that he was a god of redemption and that's the journey i'm on Mm -hmm. but also a god of great compassion to go yeah that hurts and that sucks and i'm sorry yeah i'm just in my head going through my own like my own story and just uh, nodding and yeah the the way that you as a child self-protect yourself and I really appreciate the way that you were approaching God in in the car at that time of saying okay like let's yeah let's do this what what is it that you're doing yeah and I mean we've had (laughs) you know I've had a number of those conversations I mean just I joke with my friends but it's kind of the hard and holy work of Mm -hmm. you know healing and it's not easy oh my gosh it's not easy I mean to to let go I think it was Henry Nowen who shared the story of the trapeze artist and he was interviewing him. I think we've talked about this, but just he was interviewing this trapeze artist and the trapeze artist said, you know, the hardest part, the scariest part is letting go. And there's that like split second moment before you're grabbed onto by the other person on the other side. But if you don't let go at the right time and if you don't, I mean, just like, or if you try to grab the catcher, uh-huh. you have to let the catcher catch you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for me, that's been like, okay, 
I'm not going to live in this false story of shame and condemnation anymore. I'm going to live into God who you created me to be. I'm not there. I mean, it's still it's still in the process of mm. kind of unpacking a lot of that. You know, I think about I'm a visual person. I'm creative. My mm-hmm. mind goes there. I think about, you know, if you're going on a trip and you pack your suitcase and then you weigh it. You got 50 pounds or whatever to take with you. Mm-hmm. And you're at 58 pounds or whatever. You have to unpack, pull everything out and go, okay, what are the bare essentials that I need to take with me on this journey? And I think that's kind of the process that I've just been living in to go, okay, I thought I needed that pair of shoes or I thought I needed whatever. Mm-hmm. And God was just going like, yeah, you're not going to need that for where I'm taking you. Mm. That's so, I love that visual. Yeah. So you said that this journey started a couple of years ago. What made you start it? Yeah, great question. Um, number of number of different. <laughs> I, feel, I feel great about. <laughs> sorry. Did you apologize ahead of time that we were just going to be completely? I off? did. Okay, good. Um, number of different things. So I worked at a large church here in the Twin Cities area. Uh, my husband and I met there. Our kids were born there. I worked there for nine years. And during the process of a reorg, my role was eliminated. Mm. And so that was, to say it was tough is an understatement of like, you know, you you do life and family and ministry with these people and then all of a sudden to have it be done. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with that as a as a person and so I spent kind of 18 months just like what what am I doing how do I you know how do I process this and then ended up with a job at Calvary and through that one of the former pastors at Calvary who is because of a lot of things that happened at Calvary some changes in pastoral staff uh, at the White Bear campus which is where I work he came up and he was just like have you ever thought about going back to therapy and I was like oh seriously Mm. no I'm not ready to do that like I don't need that and it took you know just a couple times of him consistently I mean he would stop by every Thursday during this transition period at Calvary Mm -hmm. just go how you doing how's your week been I mean just complete and total care for me as an individual Mm -hmm. and so I finally was like okay fine because he's like I know somebody (laughs) That's been a big part for me. Um, it's just that last two and a half years with my therapist of just, I remember the first thing that we talked about when I got there was she said, uh, you're not confused about the confusion. And because mm-hmm. my, my, my mind was just swimming in, you, talk, you know, from the beginning of my story of abuse through, you know, being laid off at this church and just these feelings of abandonment and having to try to struggle through and go, okay, what can I control? Because I can't control that I just got laid off. Right. But now what do I do with that? And the pain associated with that. Well, and, and then to come into your next job and for it to be a really great fit and then for there to be significant pastor. And so again, mm-hmm. significant changes in yeah. pastors, which affected relationships that you had. Totally. Again. Totally. Like not, and within not that long a time. Right. And you and you add to that just the dynamics of my family growing up, just the dysfunction. My parents mm. divorced my senior year of high school. And, you know, I went off to Bethel 
thinking I'm going to be, I'm going to go into youth ministry and I'm going to make a huge change in the world and leaving after two years because I was just kind of wandering and, you know, decided, made some bad choices and some bad relationships and was like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, Through God's mercy, he's continued to walk with me in this and go, you know, my desire for you isn't to maybe necessarily change the world in the way you had pictured it. Right. And that, unfortunately, in the big C church, we kind of paint this idea of what changing the world looks like. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I'm just going like, I'm learning, God's going, the ministry that you have and the influence that you have with the people across the table from you, that's where I want you to lean into. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a process that's not complete yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And it probably won't be. It probably won't be. I mean, right. Hopefully we're all continually in process. Right. For sure. And just, uh, you know, really starting to almost reparent 10 year old Susie, if Mm. that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, not that my parents, my parents didn't get everything right. I'm not going to get everything right as a parent. I'm gonna I always say I'm going to, I always say I'm going to mess my boys up in my own special way. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Let's all be honest. Like right. at some point, our kids will probably be sitting in a therapist's office talking about us. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's just name it. But being able to, to have compassion for ten-year-old Susie mm-hmm. and what does that look like? Being able to have compassion for sixteen-year-old Susie for 18 year old you know like mm-hmm. just going like this is a part of it's not who you are it's something that's happened to you mm-hmm. and you cannot live in that false story god's going i have a far bigger picture that i want you to live through and live into yeah and i think it's really easy to look back at you know my 10 year old self and think you just have a completely different perspective now i'm 44 completely different perspective like I know things now as an adult that now I can look back and go oh well this and not abuse or anything but that I can look back and say oh I understand why that person was that way because Mm -hmm. they had all of this these things in their history totally for sure I can do that as a 44 year old but I couldn't do that as a 10 year old so I, I appreciate what you're saying about having compassion on I didn't know and I yeah. didn't understand then and to let that hurt hurt mm-hmm. the way that it needs to hurt yep and then heal the way that it needs to heal right yeah 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 it's so it's so true and i mean even just this past week my therapist and i were talking about that exact thing like just how you have to let it hurt but at the same time i mean i think even for me like what we were talking about my therapist and i were talking about was letting 10 year old Susie now trust Susie as an adult Mm. because as a 10 year old I didn't trust anybody Mm -hmm. I mean for so Mm -hmm. long I didn't trust anybody and I think that was part of for me even just the confusion of you know being abused and then my parents getting divorced and I you know do I really trust that story of what's going on and you know just in bad relationships as a 20 something and like I just you know and then being laid off from church I mean just so many things about I don't I don't trust people and now learning to go but I trust myself and I think at the end of the day that's Mm -hmm. what God wants Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about how exceptional Paul must be your husband 
that you trusted him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it doesn't come easy and it's hard and it has its moments where it's completely brutal and painful. And, you know, we've, we've wrestled through even just in counseling, some of that, some of our, our, you know, we each have our own baggage Mm -hmm. and you bring that into a marriage and it's messy and Mm -hmm. painful. Um, and we're learning how to trust each other in that. Um, but at the end of the day, I know that he has my best interest at heart mm-hmm. and that he he fell in love with me for who I am and not my story and not my baggage. And, you know, he was able, and, and even for me, like, he was able to see through all of the, I'm not going to swear because, you know, I don't want to stuff stuff yeah i don't um, want to have to put an explicit for, rating on no, this podcast okay sorry <laughs> uh but just to be able to see through all of that and see me and mm-hmm. love me for who i am and i think that too has just given me another vision for god too like mm-hmm. god just sitting back and going yeah all those things happen to you but none of that changes the fact that i love i love you and you are my beloved and so what does that look like with uh, thinking about the, the false, looking at yourself in a false way, in a true way? When did the true start to mm-hmm. seep in? Or was it there and you didn't realize it was there? I mean, because you've had a relationship with God. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And I think it's one thing to, to know and to read, oh, this is what God says about me. But for that to actually seep into your core mm-hmm. is another thing. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, it's the 18-inch drop that everybody talks about. Mm. Like, you know, I understand it in my brain, and I can read about it in the Bible, but to actually truly believe it is a totally different, mm-hmm. you know, conversation. And so I think, you know, I mean, I, I grew up going to church. My grandparents were huge faith people. My mom is a huge person of faith. So that was always a part of me growing up. In high school, I was baptized. You know, I made a confession of faith. Sorry, mm-hmm. I probably just offended somebody. Well, they can't see you, Susie. True. They couldn't That's see the point. air quotes Sorry. that you were doing. Yeah. But I, you know, I went on mission trips. Reminds me of friends. <laughs> and Joey. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, confession of faith. Yeah, but just like, like in high school, making that decision to follow Christ and really what that looked like. You know, Don't you think we do what the best we can at the time? Oh, for sure. Though? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's the beauty of the grace of God in mm-hmm. that he takes maybe what little or what amount of faith we have and understanding of him mm-hmm. that we have and, you know, walks walks with us in that. I think to answer your question, I mean, I think in the last two and a half years sitting across table from my therapist going like yeah I'm just gonna trust that you know God I am your beloved and Mm -hmm. I I'm going to live from that truth that story instead of living from the false story of shame and fear and you know just self-condemnation of like I did something wrong the things that happened to me were my fault Mm mm-hmm and God just going, they weren't your fault. And they were things that happened to you, but they are not who you are. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm looking down at your note, notebook, and I see that you have, is Tove part Tove. of the conversation? No, but you can okay. go there, because, okay. you know, whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so my friend Steve has a band with he and his wife, and it's called Tove. And he's been through this process. I worked with him at the church before I was at Calvary. And he and his wife left to go plant another church uh, with a friend of theirs. And in the process, he and his wife started writing music together. He's a musician. So they started this band called Tove. And T-O-V. T-O-V. And it comes out of Genesis in that, you know, in all of the things that God created, and at the end of the day, he, bat, he sat back and said, it is good. And that's what Tove means. Tove means good. And how do you foster... Not only are we good as individuals, you know, I mean, I think we as God's most prized creation. Mm-hmm. And um, bearing his image. And bearing his image, exactly. Uh, but also then how do we take that goodness into the world? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? I remember one of the things Steve said to me early on, even just in my process of therapy, just he and I were having a conversation one day, and he said, Think about, think. let's go back to Genesis. And when God first created, it was, it was darkness, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then what did God say? God said, let there be light. And I think about, like, when God starts stirring and creating things in us, it feels really dark and painful and gross. And God goes, let there be light. And then he says, and it was good. You know, there was evening and there was morning on the first day. And as a creative, like, I mean, there's just so much truth in that alone of, like, God creating good out of our darkness Mm -hmm. and our pain. Mm -hmm. And leaning into that and being okay with sharing that story. And I think that's part of, you know, where our conversation first started of just, I want to tell my story because... It's part of what God's creating out of that. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And I don't know yet, but I'm going to live in that and process that and sit across the table from people and ask the tough questions and know that God is big enough to take them mm-hmm. and be okay with me asking them and wrestling through them. Something I've been thinking about lately is well, more than lately, is imposter syndrome because hmm. I suffer from it. And I was thinking about how when there's someone that you look up to or someone that you admire, they're doing something and you admire what they're doing, and then they discount hmm. what they're doing. And what you're doing is seems less than what they're doing, and then you kind of go, oh, well, is if that doesn't, if what they're doing doesn't have that a lot of value then what I'm doing must have like no value right right and so I was thinking about how if I voice my I mean I think it's fine to voice our insecurities but if I were like really seriously doubting and talking down the places that I have influenced for example then and someone might look at me and think wow if she thinks she has no influence then and I'm not doing mm. as much as mm-hmm. she is in quotes. Right. Then and how destructive yeah. that could be versus this is what God has called me to do. I don't have all the gifts for it, but I'm learning them and I'm taking steps forward to move in it 
And so I will stand firm in who God has created me to be and do what he's put in front of me and just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And how, like, I'm just thinking about the ripple effect of you sharing your story, you know, could be someone who's had, who has had a similar story could say, oh my goodness, she's been through this and I've been through something similar. Yeah. And, and she's finding healing Mm -hmm. and she's finding hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was even just thinking, I mean, just to, I mean, when we first came to Calvary, I mean, it was really hard, hard for me because of the church I came from or the church that I was laid off at, like God is doing amazing things there. And it's, you know, it's still, it's still incredible to watch uh, what he's doing through them. But I remember my, my very first weekend at Calvary, uh, the first <laughs> thing that, two things that stuck out to me was that we were talking about a capital campaign mm-hmm. and the one of the pastors was leaving to go to the church that I had just been laid off from. And I remember just sitting there, like, I just wanted to curl up and just be like, seriously, God? Like, like I was just angry. Like, really? My first weekend at this church, and this is what you're throwing at me? And now I'm able to look back and, and go, like, God knew. I don't fully understand it, but God knew as a result of us being at Calvary, just the relationships that I have formed since being there. And I think I'm learning that that church is not what happens within the four walls. Mm -hmm. Say that again. Church is not what happens within those four walls. Mm -hmm. And I'm not discounting. I mean, I I do stuff every week to get ready for Sunday morning. And what happens in that one hour or, you know, however long you're there on Sunday morning is is totally important. And I'm not invalidating that. Mm -hmm. What I'm learning is that and what Calvary has afforded me to learn, maybe, maybe not so much Calvary, more God, but that church is what happens when I sit in the living room with a friend mm-hmm. whose life is completely imploding, their marriage is imploding, and not having all the answers, but just being able to sit and to listen, uh, to sit across the table from somebody at a coffee shop and hear their story and hear where God is moving them and and to walk away not feeling alone. Mm-hmm. There have been many times where I'll have church in the lobby yep. where I miss the worship service, which I echo what you're saying. The worship service is important. But to talk to someone who is wrestling in a way that you're wrestling with God or wrestling with a truth of his mm-hmm. uh, can be, yeah. can feel like church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, church is people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the Bible's God says that, like, you know, it's not about the four walls. It's mm-hmm. about relationships. The church is not a building where people go to pray. It's right. not made out of sticks and stones. It's not made out of clay. We are the church. Wow. We sing the that. The body of our Lord. I will not. Oh, we are all shoot. God's children and we have been restored. It's Here's the, J- the church. It was the Here's J Beach Band. People. <laughs> Wait, I don't, never mind. Sorry. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. steeple. Open the doors, the doors and see all the people. people. Sorry, you yeah. can't see what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, if anybody grew up in the church, they probably know yeah. that song. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like for me, that's just been, I mean, even sitting in a therapist's office for me has been church. Mm-hmm. Like just some of the spiritual 
God conversations that we've had about like who who I am and who God is and that's been that's been huge for me. Is there anything else about your story that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we talk about? Um, Any other secrets you want to tell? Secrets. Or... <laughs> Let's just let it all out. <laughs> um, well, I, I think, you know, it's... I'm going to be very careful in how I, how I phrase this. But, you know, do I love every part of my aspect of job, of my job at Calvary? Mm-hmm. No. But, maybe not but, maybe I should say, and I also know that God has me there for a reason and I'm going to trust that Mm -hmm. um like you were just talking about earlier like just that influence like who in my time at Calvary has God placed in my path to influence I mean I just think I mean there's so many people that just come to mind that God has now intersected our paths Mm -hmm. and life is completely different for them and for me because of those conversations that we've had. And I remember I had a conversation. It was a, it was last December. It was a year and a half ago, actually. Around the table with six close friends, people who had seen me in different ministry roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember... Oh, this is when you went away is, with people for them yeah, to speak into you. to yes. speak into me. Because I was just in a place, you know, kind of the beginning process of therapy and like, discerning what direction you know god i you know like where do they see god working in me and what Mm -hmm. direction do they want me to go or not they don't want me to go god wants me to go so like in christianese this would be seeking wise counsel yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there you go that's a good way of putting it but people who had yeah people who had seen me in different aspects of life and ministry paul was there Anyway, Paul, your husband. Paul, my husband. Not, not Paul from the Bible. Well, maybe he, he was. was there. I don't know. His words Through were probably there. Through the wisdom there. of somebody. <laughs> wow. But I remember very specifically multiple times, multiple people saying, Susie, you, your understanding of ministry is so skewed because the influence and the truth that you have spoken back into us mm-hmm. as individuals is is where God is using you. And I remember just like, that was a huge takeaway for me that, that God was like, I can use you wherever you are. And Mm -hmm. if you just trust me in this and it's not always easy and it's easy to get impatient with God sometimes too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, knowing that, he is using my influence for his glory and it doesn't always necessarily look how I think it should look and that's okay. Well, even just thinking about the team that on which you serve and you are older than What are you saying? Many of the people that you're older <laughs> no. than many of the people on the on the team. True. And what I'm trying to what I'm trying not to say is that they have less value because they're younger, because that's not true, because they are very gifted people. Right. Oh, for sure they are. But you have years of experience that they don't have. And so just thinking about what you bring to that team would be that, you know, years of experience, years years on this earth longer. Yeah. And having walked more steps and more roads. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm 
so grateful. I mean, these people I work with are crazy talented. Crazy talented. And sometimes I just sit there going like, God, who am I to to sit around the table with, with some, I mean, just, oh my goodness. And then God goes, yeah, and I've gifted you in different ways and I'm using you in different ways and it's no less important than how I'm using their talents, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think part of part of me living into this new story and letting go of the old false story is just is just that like God going like I'm gonna use I'm gonna use you and it may not look how you want it to look Mm -hmm. but it's really about it's really about me and what that looks like does that make sense yeah well and it's making me think of what you said earlier about living choosing to live out of your belovedness Mm. Yeah. Versus the the false, the lies that you were believing about yourself. Right. Well, I think I think part of part of it, too, is just as a victim of abuse, you live in this survival mode, you know, forces you to kind of go, okay, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect what I can. I'm going to control what I can. And I've lived that way well into adulthood. Mm. And. God's God doesn't want us just to survive. Like, you know, he says, I've come to bring life and life to the abundant mm-hmm. and I want you to live, not survive. Right. And what does that look like? And it's scary as hell some days. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make yourself vulnerable like yeah. that. Yeah. It's the letting go. You know, the trapeze. Again, we go back to that, but just like, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me. And because you have every other, you know, I mean, he's, he's so faithful. Like, you know, I, I remember very early on in my faith, like the phrase, you know, God's faithfulness doesn't depend on mine. Mm. Hmm. An amen to that. I mean, I just like, like we just let, 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 we'll just end right there. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's so much that I'm now starting to understand that. Mm-hmm. That God is faithful regardless of if I am or not. Right. I mean, and that's powerful in and of itself. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the gospel of grace. And you know, we're 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 gearing up for Easter at Calvary, and kind of I'm in the process of writing some stuff for for Holy Week and and that story, and just the 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 fact that I mean, we're we're talking about who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. and unpacking Jesus' humanness. I mean, we were, we were literally just talking about Jesus in the garden. Like, that's going to be mm-hmm. one of our elements and how it's a totally different conversation. But, like, three times, Jesus, well, first of all, when he got into the garden, he took three disciples with him. Mm-hmm. And then three times he came back to them and said, why are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. Like, can you not stay awake? And then he went back into the garden and his humanness, I mean, fully came out and that God, please take this cup from me. Okay. And can we pause for a second? Have you ever done a Passover meal? No. Have you ever gone through it? No. Look at it because that cup he's talking about is one of the cups from the Passover meal. Oh. And I did Passover for the first time last year. And I was like, because I wanted to understand that last supper from the perspective of Jesus 
as a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. And so we did, we didn't do a Christian Passover. We just did yeah. a Passover. Yeah. And that there are four cups and the third cup, they think maybe is what Jesus is referring mm-hmm. to. But when we got to the third cup and what it's, what it symbolizes, I was like, yeah. this is the cup that he wanted taken from him in the garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, check it out. Yes. Yeah, side note. Uh, but I just think like the, the dichotomy of, you know, Jesus going, you know, living in fun fact. So on my phone, you can't see this right now. Every day at one fifty four, I get mm-hmm. a reminder that says you are enough. And it's based out of the scripture in John fifteen four, where it says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Mm-hmm. And it always comes up at the, like, we have my therapist and I joke about this all the time, but it always comes up at like a time when God's going, uh-huh. Yeah. Are you paying attention? Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you something there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. See? Jesus, it's, yeah, Jesus is in the garden. He has three Jesus disciples. Three disciples. They fall three, three times. times. And I, I just go back to this idea of, I mean, here are three disciples who walked side by side with Jesus, saw him do miracles, saw him completely change the trajectory of history. Mm-hmm. And he, he asked them very simply to stay awake and to pray. And they couldn't do it. And to be able to go, okay, if the disciples couldn't do it, then me messing up is okay. Mm-hmm. But that didn't change the fact that Jesus was still faithful. Right. For so long I wanted to be like, ah, the Bible's not. It's important, but like, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, but then I go back and I read the scriptures and I'm like, oh my gosh. How did I never see this before? How did mm-hmm. I miss this? Uh, back in my last series, I had someone share that she was struggling with God's goodness. Mm. And she, someone said to her, well, Jesus was God. And so go look and see, is Jesus good? Mm. And time and again, of course. I mean, it was, she was struggling from miscarriages, but like, did Jesus cause anyone to have a miscarriage? Did he give anyone cancer? Did he do any of these things? Right. No, he healed and restored and redeemed mm. everywhere he went right mm-hmm. yeah but i hadn't thought about his faithfulness that even though they weren't faithful to stay awake that didn't oh my gosh and like i would have right <laughs> like here here's the cup i'm just gonna leave the cup here yeah that's amazing i yeah. hadn't thought about that before yeah it's so so good so come to um holy week services at calvary church <laughs> not saying i'm just saying it's gonna be amazing god's big and I think I'm learning just through all of this, like God's story is a lot bigger than me and God himself is a lot bigger than I think we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I think that I've lived so long in this idea that God should be in this little box of, you know, what we learn about in church. Mm-hmm. And I just sometimes wonder if God just sits back and goes, oh, you have no idea. You have no idea what I am capable of and what I want to do if you would just shut up and listen. (laughs) I literally had this conversation with my 13-year-old, who by the time this comes out may be 14. He's going on a mission trip with church, and so he had to answer the questionnaire and had a question about something, and we ended up talking about who God is. And I said to him, God, because he said, I feel like I learn about God, and he was using his hands. And so, like, God is this big. 
And he said, and then I learned something else and God seems bigger and he mm. just keeps getting bigger. And I said, yes. And the temptation is going to be to bring that back in and put mm. him in a box because to understand like this yeah. is com- com- comprehensible. Yeah. Compre. Compre. Yeah. It's not beyond comprehension. <laughs> Whatever. That's big words. They're hard <laughs> to word, and apparently I can't comprehend how to say it. Um, so God will put, will try to put God in a box, and I said and he will keep, yeah, bursting out of that yeah. box. And then Charlie said, "Oh, it's like because he likes video games. It's mm. like in Sea of Thieves. There's a map when you get into the game. There's a map, and you have a ship, and you can go all these places on the map. And he said, and around the map is fog." And you can drive your ship into the fog. It's just uncharted territory. Hmm. And he was like, God's like that. And I was like, <laughs> um, yes. Yep. You just explained that way better than I ever could yeah. have. But yeah. like, we want to just keep putting God in this box instead of letting him be wondrous and mysterious and mm-hmm. and recognize there are parts of him that are unknown. Yep. And And it, you know, and it's not that, you know, the Bible says that God is unchanging because mm-hmm. he doesn't change, but our comprehension of him and, and our knowledge. understanding yes. and knowledge of him changes as we grow and as we experience him mm-hmm. in different ways. I was thinking about, you talked about just fog and the idea of fog and, you know, we're kind of starting to hit spring, hopefully, in Minnesota. Oh, Lord, please. I won't say the S word. Hopefully we're done with that. <laughs> but, you know, when... It is four letters. True. Okay, snow. Sorry, I just need to clarify that. Um, But the idea of fog, like for me, like that's a really powerful metaphor, even for for God and for like you think about fog and you think about how like it covers like an early morning spring fog. This is what I envision, you know, like you can see the silhouette of the trees, but they're dark and they're kind of Mm -hmm. kind of gloomy. And you're you're not quite sure, and the the birds that normally are chirping aren't. They're not quite sure what to do with that fog. But knowing that on the other side of the fog, the sun is is still shining, mm-hmm. and it's just waiting to break through. And I think, like that, for me, is such a powerful picture of of understanding God and this new comprehension of who He is. Like getting through that fog. And knowing that, and it goes back to this conversation about him being faithful, that even though it's foggy, doesn't mean the sun's not shining on the other side of it. We may not be able to see, see it, it. Mm-hmm. but it's still there. Mm-hmm. And so there's a beauty in that kind of, you know, and even just fog is just, there's like a heaviness to it and just, and it feels heavy. It literally feels heavy. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, it's just true just with faith and with God. Like, there are moments where it just feels so heavy. And you're like, oh, I can't I can't do this anymore. But that doesn't mean that the sun isn't shining on the other side. Right. And God's just waiting. Like, here I am. If you can push through the unknown and the messiness and start to unpack that and not live in this false sense of life and unknown, but trust that I... I have something for you to live into. And I'm just waiting. So we are going to stop there with that because that was the perfect way to end that conversation. (laughs) 
So there are two questions yep. that I ask all my guests. Okay. The first one is, because it's called Retreat House Podcast, how do you retreat? Is mm. it a place? Is it a practice? What does I knew that you like? were going to ask this because mm-hmm. I listen to your podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. For me, I experience God in creation. Like mm. that's a big part for me. Um, so I love to hike. I love to be out of doors, mm-hmm. if you will. I'm also learning to learn how to, I mean, as a mom of two boys who are involved in activities and learning that sometimes retreat for me just means an hour and a half in the coffee shop just listening to a podcast or reading the Bible or having a conversation with a friend. Mm -hmm. Like for me, learning that sometimes those are the spaces where my soul just needs to take a breath. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I can go back out into whatever he has for me. And so I think those are kind of two ways I experience retreat. My other question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird, (laughs) just because, you know, like you can only give one answer. Oh, shoot. If you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be? Wow. Two things is I have an obsession with fun socks. And unfortunately, I've seen months on the way here, my socks that I have on are not. No, they're not fun. They're not fun today, but they were all dirty. So I was like, dang it. Thank you for wearing clean socks. Well, you're welcome (laughs) on your floor. Like, I was really worried about that. Um, But no, like, ask my husband. He's like, why? Like, I have, like, a huge, and I buy him fun socks. And he's Mm -hmm. like, seriously? Like, where am I ever going to wear these? I'm like, I don't know, but they're just super fun. <laughs> and then I have, an, I have an obsession with coffee mugs. Like, oh. if you were to come to my house, I'm like, oh, that's a fun coffee mug. Oh, I want that. I want that. <laughs> Paul's like, do you? How many coffee cups does one person need? I'm like, well, I don't know, but I need my, I need my options. Right. So your favorite way to retreat is fun socks and a coffee right. and a fun mug. And a fun coffee mug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Have you ever heard of John socks? Yes. I bought a pair Did you? Uh, last year. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes in you case totally anyone wants should. to look You totally them. should. Yeah. Or I check uh, out the conversation. Did you hear them on The New Activist? No. They interviewed oh. John and his dad. John is a man who has that. Down syndrome that loves crazy socks. And so he started, a, he and his dad started a business of, I think it's called John Socks. It is called John Socks. Okay. And they, it raises money for different organizations. Yeah. So yeah, they That's had a awesome. new activist. It was very fun. I think I have a pair of basketball ones. I was coaching basketball a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I got a pair. I think my 11 year old has now garnered them <laughs> and wears them. Maybe I'm passing on my weird right. thing to him. Yes. Job Just done. Saying. Passing on the weird. Yes. Fly that freak flag boy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susie, for coming on and sharing your story. This is super fun. Sitting across the table from me and letting me record it. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week 
at the Retreat House Podcast. Thank you.